0: Back to another episode of the Eye on Security podcast. This is Luke McNamara, a principal analyst here at FireEye, and today I'm joined by Mandiant EVP Jürgen Kutcher for more insights from the M Trends 2020 report. Welcome, Jürgen. Good afternoon, Luke. Thank you for having me here. So let's jump into this uh, and start with maybe an overview of, of M Trends 2020. I think this is the 11th year that we've been uh, producing this report. Um, what do you see as some of the key themes this year?
1: Yeah, thank you. Excellent question. I mean, we're seeing continuation of a lot of the same things year over year that we've been reporting on as for over 11 years now. One of them, of course, that we always look at is the dwell time, right? And the dwell time, again, good news that also in 2019, we've seen another nice reduction in dwell time dropping from 78 days down to 56 days, which is, of course, a great improvement, but also still highlights the continued room for improvement that we have in this space, right? When you realize that the average red team is capable of achieving domain administrative privileges and access to an environment within just three days, you realize this improvement is significant, however, significantly more improvement is still required to make sure that organizations are able to detect fast enough these types of attacks here. We're also continuing to see, of course, the exploitation of legitimate credentials to be a problem, right? We've seen this for many years now, and unfortunately, this continues to be a very common attack vector that we're seeing the threat actors exploit. Ransomware is probably the third theme that I want to highlight here, where we're continuing to see that increase, right? Uh, just because of its ease of execution, the low risk for the threat actor, and of course, the high reward, this continues to be still a very rapidly growing threat that is impacting many, many organizations out there. And of course, the same can also be said for insider attacks, which we're also continuing to see an increase year over year, right? We're seeing more and more of those. They're low cost. They're easy to execute for those insiders, and they tend to be very, very high impact. The next area that uh, that we see uh, the continuation of prior years trends is also when it comes to cloud, right? I mean, there's a general theme, of course, that attackers are following the data right? And as the data moves more and more into the cloud, it isn't surprising to hear and see that attackers are now also targeting data inside the cloud and that organizations need to do more to protect their cloud data, right? And and the last interesting trend and statistic that I want to talk about here is, of course, also the the recompromise. right? How often organizations get retargeted after they've successfully completed an investigation and successful remediation? Right Over the past few years, we've been tracking that and we're seeing very consistent numbers there across, for example, our managed defense client base, where about one out of every three clients is being retargeted just within 12 months of the initial remediation event, clearly highlighting what we've already said many, many years ago, once a target, always a target, something organizations need to take into consideration as they build out and mature their security programs.
0: Now, you had mentioned the uh, dwell time continuing to decrease, and I think that's always one of the key metrics that every year when this comes out, I always flip first to, to see what that metric is. This year, do you think that's because organizations are getting better at detection? Is this due to a change in maybe the nature of attacks, maybe a combination of the two? What can we understand about that dwell time continuing to, to drop?
1: Yeah, so I think there's multiple factors here that uh, provide the reduction in dwell time here. First and foremost, I think it is an improvement in detection capabilities of many organizations, right? I mean, we're actually dealing now sometimes with organizations that are able to detect incidents within hours or even just a few days, right? So showing huge improvements there. But I also think that new data breach disclosure laws and penalties associated with the law push companies to be a lot more proactive around detecting and responding to breaches, right? I mean, organizations are more proactive about investigating any suspicion of a breach where maybe 10 years ago, noise would have been ignored. Organizations are now conducting investigations, sometimes even about misconfiguration configurations, right? They've misconfigured a system, accidentally exposed something to the internet. They'll hire an incident response company to come in just to verify whether an actual incident may have happened or not right? And that obviously helps significantly improve this overall dwell time. The third variable then is there are more ransomware attacks, right? And obviously with ransomware attacks, they are visible. They get detected right away. So I think those three variables have brought down significantly the the dwell time, right? But as I said, it's important to realize while this is a positive trend, there's still room for improvement. For example, one statistic that is very concerning is that 12% of all the investigations we've done in the last year still had dwell times of over 700 days. And this percentage is identical to our 2018 entrance report. So no progression year over year. And we're still seeing occasionally even incidents with dwell times over a thousand days, right? It clearly shows there's a lot of room for improvement. And when you look at The gap between those mature organizations now that do have really good detection capabilities and that are able to detect an incident within just hours sometimes, and then those that still hit a thousand days plus in terms of dwell time, users just see how broad this gap has grown between those mature organizations and then those that have to significantly still improve their detection capabilities.
0: And I think a a follow up question to that, you know, once we started initially tracking dwell time in in some of the the first reports and to see where it is now, obviously, there's been a very big improvement in uh, cutting down that amount of time. But when you look at over the last couple of years, and of course, it varies from geo to geo, are we starting to see that dwell time decrease uh, less quickly than we've seen it in the past? What What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I think this is a good question. And I think there's different different ways to look at this, right? I mean, for example, last year, when we looked at EMEA, we saw the median dwell time actually increase, right? When GDPR came out, a lot of companies suddenly start to take action, started to do investigations based on something they saw. And they discovered old compromise also, right? So, we do see as markets mature and bring more data breach disclosure laws, data privacy laws to the forefront, that organizations occasionally start digging into older incidents. And as a result, sometimes these numbers get skewed. But also as organizations overall mature their detection capabilities, right? They sometimes do find evidence of past compromise uh, that may go back sometimes even years, right? So, I think those elements certainly can skew a little bit those uh, the, the median and and sometimes reduce a little bit the slope of the decline. But there are also still areas where we do see significant gains, right? When I just look at internal detection, for example, the medium has decreased from 50 days last year to 30 days this year. So I think there are multiple ways to look at this ultimately. In certain aspects, it sometimes feels like there's a slowdown, sometimes even a reversal of the decline in median dwell time, but I think there are good reasons behind it. I don't think it is that industries are getting worse. It is more along the lines that organizations sometimes find old compromise or other factors have changed that impact this median dwell time. But overall, I still think there is that continuation of the positive trend.
0: No, I think one of the other key metrics that I always find interesting to look at in this report is looking at uh, the sources of compromise detections. Uh, So looking at those um, from external notification versus internal notifications. And I think it was surprising this year to see an increase in the number of compromises um, that were detected via external notifications. Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And that was one of the metrics that jumped out at me at first as well, uh, sort of as a surprise. How comes that there's indeed more external notifications? But I think we're seeing simply more external notifications. For example, law enforcement starts to play a much more active role all across the world to take on active notifications. I mean, I remember years ago when outside of the U.S., there were very, very few law enforcement notification being done. Now we're seeing more and more countries and regions performing law enforcement notifications, but also the security community, security vendors in general, start playing a much more active role when it comes to victim notifications, right? They're playing an active role when they do find evidence of compromise to notify those specific organizations that have been impacted. And I think that's what explains some of that increase by those uh, external notifications, right? But I also think, of course, the change to public disclosure laws, compliance changes, will have a similar type impact to me the bottom line though is i do not believe that we've seen a true decline from organizations to detect incidents right i think organizations continue to improve their overall ability to detect incidents, right? As I said earlier, the median dwell time for internal detection has significantly dropped from 50 down to 30 days, right? So, the investments that is being done in security is clearly showing improvements, right? The fact that security is more and more a border-level matter, right, that's being discussed at the highest levels within an organization that is integrated into the overall corporate risk management program clearly has shown significant improvements that organizations have made. So I don't expect the positive trend uh, of better self-detection and shorter dwell time to end anytime soon. It is obvious to organizations just seeing what is out there, what is being reported on, the importance of having a rapid detection and containment, right? We always say breaches are inevitable, but the impact, that is what you can control as an organization. You can minimize the impact by having good detection, response, and containment capabilities. You just have to look at ransomware examples to clearly see the difference between organizations that are prepared and those who are not prepared, and the direct business impact and financial impact that you can have by being unprepared, and how much you can reduce risk just by being prepared and making those investments.
0: Yeah, I think that's some important nuance uh, to that metric uh, this year. Um, you mentioned cloud kind of at the beginning uh, and we look at the, the current security environment and let's take healthcare, for example, you know, an industry in vertical that's under a lot of uh, stress right now. What sort of security recommendations would you have for an industry like healthcare uh, when it comes to the cloud? Um, are they better off sticking to on-premise um, from a security perspective? How should they be thinking about this?
1: Yeah, I think it's important as you develop your cloud strategy, I mean, it's as much of a business decision as it is a security decision, obviously, right? It all depends on the individual organization, their security maturity, their business goals, their requirements, etc. But the reality is, many, many organizations out there are already either in the cloud or have a well-defined strategy and path towards getting to the cloud in the near future. I think cloud is a reality or is going to be a reality for, for a large majority of all companies, including the healthcare sector, right? I think there's a couple of important considerations, not just for healthcare service providers, but overall, right? I mean, businesses need to make sure they have a good understanding, first and foremost, of their existing cloud assets, right? And I'm not just thinking about AWS, Azure, Google, et cetera. But I'm also thinking about all those applications that leverage the cloud, right? Business applications that store data in the cloud are often forgotten or neglected when Organizations build their cloud asset inventory, right? And then you've got to validate your security controls, right? I mean, many cloud providers really provide important security controls such as multi factor authentication, for example, or they allow you to restrict access to the cloud environment, but only to your client and corporate environment, right? So you can only access the cloud environment from your own corporate environment, reducing the risk of somebody accessing it directly over the internet, right? There's a lot of capabilities out there, but unfortunately at the end of the day, Not all clients leverage these capabilities, and clients need to make sure as they think about their cloud strategy, right, they must think about what capabilities each and every cloud provider is offering to them in terms of security controls. That needs to be part of that decision process of moving to the clouds. At the end of the day, I mean, cloud enable organizations to really be rapid at deploying, scaling. Code systems, etc. But that same flexibility can, of course, also be used by an attacker against them. That's important to realize. And ultimately, organizations need to accept that even if they move data into the cloud, they still own the responsibility of protecting that data. And most importantly, protecting their own network, right? Because we see, for example, the majority of intrusions into cloud environments, for example, such as AWS, start with compromised credentials, such as AWS access keys, IM user passwords, you name it, right? Attackers compromise the client's environment, get access to the AWS credentials, for example, or other cloud credentials, and then are able to access the cloud directly over the internet potential. Right? So the organization still ultimately carries a lot of responsibility of securing their environment and securing their credentials.
0: So, as a follow-up to that, um, how should organizations update their IRP to address cloud platforms and services? So, so thinking about things such as CRM tools, Workday, et cetera.
1: Yeah, that is a really important step that organizations need to think about. Right. I mean, uh, first and foremost, they need to have a complete overview of all of their assets, right? I mean, whether they're physical or cloud, and they need to be completely integrated into their IRP, right? To have a clear understanding also, of course, the complete inventory of those assets, as I mentioned before, including CRM solution, HR solutions, anything that stores data in the cloud, right? And uh, they got to track what type of data also is in each of these systems and applications, right? At times, unfortunately, organizations don't quite realize also what data is where, right? And don't always have a good data classification policy, right? So, those are important elements to consider for the incident response plan. Then they got to also understand the security capabilities and incident response capabilities specifically that the cloud service provider can give them, right? So, what evidence could a cloud service provider give to a victim if there is a suspected or confirmed breach? What is the risk response time in the event of a breach right we frequently see issues as we perform investigations where unfortunately organizations sometimes struggle with getting the necessary evidence from the cloud service provider right because either the cloud service provider doesn't have the necessary log files available they're not able to respond in a timely fashion resulting in delays to the investigation and sometimes even turn an investigation into something inconclusive, where the investigator cannot determine for certain what data in the cloud was ultimately accessed, where we may only be able to say, we know they had access to the cloud, we know they've taken the credentials, but we cannot confirm, unfortunately, what data was taken. And of course, that is always the worst possible outcome during an investigation, because now you have to assume... The worst, right? And of course the IRP needs to be tested on a regular basis, right? I mean, we need to include simulations, tabletop exercises also that discuss how to conduct an investigation, how to conduct an investigation that involves exposure of data that is stored both on premises and as well in the cloud. Right. I think at the end, I mean, cloud is a very, very powerful solution, right? I mean, it can really help, for example, smaller businesses who don't have the security staff, right? To, to ultimately achieve a higher level of security. But it's really important that businesses understand that. There is a responsibility that still lies with them, right? They have to make sure they leverage the cloud security controls that the cloud service provider is giving them, that they fully understand all of the assets that they have and the data that they have in the cloud, that they implement controls the right way, and that they make sure that they have an adequately updated incident response plan that doesn't just cover on-prem, but that also covers all of the cloud environment.
0: This was part 1 of my two-part interview with Mandiant EVP Jurgen Kucher. Uh, be sure to listen to part 2 of the interview which includes Jurgen's top 3 recommendations for cybersecurity in 2020.